We're having everybody in, but today it's David Siegel, Democrat for candidate. He wants to replace Jim Langevin in the 2nd District. David, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. You live in Providence, and part of that district is actually in the 2nd District. You're up on Federal Hill? That's right, yeah. Something like 40% of Providence or so is in the district. Right, and half of Federal Hill can go either way, but your particular address is in the district. Indeed. What do you think of people who are running but don't live in the district? I think you know it, it, it is their constitutional right technically to do so, and yep. I think the voters can make a determination about whether or not that matters. I think that the, the issues at hand, there's so many that are so important right now, are what's going to govern the outcome of this election. Well, let me, well, let me press you a little bit. You live in the district. Others don't, including the front runner on your side, uh, Seth Magaziner. Should that be brought up? Should he move uh, to the district? Does he know East Greenwich from where he might I, live now? I, I think it has been brought up quite a bit <laughs> just you know, moments ago and in other fora. And I, I think it's an issue for the voters to, to make their, uh, their vote based on. All right, so you're not going to plow that for any advantage. It doesn't sound I, like my, it. My, my campaign is about pressing on the issues of the day, which are profound, okay. um, yeah, and we can talk about it in a moment. All right. Now, you live in Providence, and, you know, that district goes all the way down. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I said, well, you know, what do you know about EG? What do you know about Cranston? What do you know about the, uh, the other districts south of East Greenwich? <laughs> Go ahead. You would tell me yeah. what. I would say that I have been, one, all over the state, even the last you know, 24 hours. We're collecting mm -hmm. ballot uh, uh, petition signatures now, um, and I'm engaging with people all across the state. I also was a statewide policymaker for four years, and of course, you know, I, while I represented Providence, mm -hmm. uh, my votes had an impact across the state. I got to know people in the legislature and otherwise from across the state who I think were on the whole, you know, good right. representatives of the concerns of the people in their districts. Right. You were a Providence city councilman. Yes. You're also a state rep. Mm -hmm. And uh, is it fair to call you a community organizer in between That's, those things? I, yeah, I've been that among other things, right. yes. All right. Now, you know, sometimes the Providence delegation, they're very good at advocating for Providence. Mm -hmm. Much as it's a grin of the suburban, suburbanites who say, well, I'm shipping all my cash up to Providence of that school system. How would you, how would you juxtapose and balance the two if you're from Providence? You've got a lot of suburbs to represent. Yeah, if... If I may, I worry it's a, it might be a bit of a false choice. I mean, over the course of my time in office, I was able to work with people from across the state on a variety of different right. issues. I'm thinking back to one moment where I teamed up with the delegations from a whole variety of different cities and towns. I was in office during the financial crash in 08-09, and there were drastic cuts being applied to the yep. state. You know, the, the governor was Kacheri back then. Um, the, the leadership of the assembly were pushing for extraordinary cuts that were going to harm services, schools across the state. And I teamed up with a whole bunch of reps from Johnston, from North Providence, from Cranston, all over the place to come together to push back against those cuts. And we didn't win every single thing, but yeah. we were able to make a dent and help ensure that the integrity of a lot of services were maintained. So I'm used to working with people of all sorts, all geographies, all ideologies, even people across party lines. And I think that's part of what I bring to this race. It's very important. Interesting the way to get in another conversation. You're a progressive mm -hmm. Democrat. That means you're left. Would you call yourself far left? I would not call myself far where, left. Where would you I put would, yourself? I would say, I mean, that, I would say I'm a progressive, and I would yeah. say that being a progressive means that I'm somebody who thinks that government has an active role to play in ensuring that we take care of people, that we regulate corporations, that we defend civil rights, okay. reproductive rights, um, and that we use public power for public benefit. Now, you said you could work with everyone. Well, you know, that, that your district, the second district, uh, has a lot of Republicans in South County, conservative yeah. people. What would you tell them? What? I, yeah, Why would, should they I, not be afraid of voting for you? I, I would say uh, what I just said. I've worked in coalitions with a ton of different people over the years during my time in the Assembly right. and beyond. And so in the Assembly, it's stuff like ensuring that the basic institutions operating in a transparent right way, that we've got rules that allow for people to try to bring votes to the floor, those kinds of considerations. Yep. During more, my, my more recent years, over the last 10 years, 
I'm on leave now, but I have been running a federal advocacy group that's worked on a whole slew of different issues. And a lot of my personal focus over the last several years has been on pushing back against corporate monopoly power, guarding consumers and small businesses and workers against outsized power by corporations. And this is one factor driving inflation right now. And we see that people across the political spectrum and even elected officials across the political spectrum agree that corporations have too much power. And that's been the basis for legislation that's moving through the US House and Senate. It's been the way that we've gotten key people confirmed to posts like at the Federal Trade Commission that are in charge of um, regulating corporate power. And I think issues like that will resonate across the district. I have a long record of looking for reasons to work with people, not for reasons to dismiss people. And that's what I plan to bring with me to Congress and to the general election between here and there. What would you tell a gun owner in South County, maybe a rural part of Exeter, uh, what would you tell him? I would say that I believe in reasonable gun control and that you know, most gun owners believe in reasonable gun control too. So you're not coming for his guns? Um, I, I, I would. I would need a more specific. I, I believe in. Well, I, I believe in you know, assault weapons ban. There's three bills here. That community is very worried yep, about Congress I, going after all of their guns. You would tell that person what? I mean, to be clear, I support those bills. Yep. I support an assault weapons ban. I support you know, supporting the spirit of those bills to the federal level. Okay. That's my position. What would you? What, what might you tell a devout Roman Catholic here about uh, your position on abortion? Mm -hmm. Now, some people may say we know about the Supreme Court reversal; it's just reverted back to the states. It's not an issue here in Rhode Island. What would you tell someone who might be more conservative about how you feel about abortion? I would be honest with them and say that I'm pro-choice, and I was a co-sponsor of the codification of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to do that at the federal level, and I think we need other reforms to ensure that people maintain their abortion rights. Okay, so if I send you to Congress, what will you do with regard to uh, preserving abortion rights on the federal level, even in the reversal? Yeah. Don't, do you agree that it went back to the states? Let the states decide. Um, do I agree that it should have gone back to the well, states? Well, so that's I'm, what they're trying to do. The premise that they, they, the, the ruling was correct, just send it back to the states. Oh, no, I, We're I don't. Very yeah, different. I, this is a di Alabama's different from Rhode Island. Let the states decide. You would say what? I, I would say that these are basic rights, and basic rights are the kind of thing that we need to decide uh, at, at the federal level and ensure that they're enshrined and that people have access to civil rights and other basic rights, like the right to bodily autonomy. I think that we need to codify Roe v. Wade. I think we need to look at you know, the potential for structural reforms um, to uh, to engage with the court and have one that respects minority rights and isn't just doing the bidding of large corporations. Unfortunately, that's what we have right now with the current court. And we need to take other actions to guard um, people's right to choose. I, I know that there was uh, an executive order that Biden put forth today. I haven't a chance to read it in full. I'm right. sure that I support the thrust of it, or I imagine I support the thrust of it. Um, I would also imagine that there's more to be done and that we should be looking for opportunities to do so through legislation. So if I send you there, you're going to be, if there's a way to federalize abortion, codify it, uh, engrave it in stone, you would do that? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, did you happen to catch that new Monmouth poll out earlier this week? 88% of Americans say U.S. is on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. National Monmouth poll. That's under your president, your party, and the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. Most Americans seem to disagree with the kind of philosophy you might want to bring there. 88% yeah, say so we're going on the wrong track. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I agree with some things the Biden administration has done right. and not with other things. And I think that there are grave problems we need to address. I think that he's been dealt a very difficult hand between the fallout from COVID, the continued health crisis and economic fallout of COVID. And I think that there's a lot more that he has to do to prove to people that he um, understands what they're going through right now. But what I said at the top is I believe that we need to use public power for public benefit. Right. And that means doing things like being willing to push back against the corporate power that is driving uh, inflation in large part. And it means doing uh, 
it, it means putting regulators in place who are actually going right. to engage with their portfolios and push back against corporate power and not be captured by corporations. Um, and it means doing things like looking at excess uh, profits taxes and at price gouging and recouping some of the profits that have been driving inflation and returning that money back right. to middle class, working class, lower income people so that they can help uh, they can, so we can help but them make it through this crisis. I know you believe in that, but 88% say the people in now who aren't as progressive as you are are taking us in the wrong but, direction. And well, most I, pundits I, will say a red wave is yeah. coming to wash them out. You would be completely different from the red wave. So are you I, in conflict with the 88 and the I red would, wave? I would say the 88 are concerned about the status quo. Yeah. What I stand for is not the status quo. I stand for a democratic party that is delivering for people. And the actions I just named are ones that I support, but ones that unfortunately are not all being taken. And I think that a lot of the 88% would agree with you know, my program. And it goes back to some of what I was talking about at the top. People across the country, across the political spectrum, understand that corporations have too much power, the corporate right. special interests, the political corruption are impediments to getting basic things done and making government address the needs of everyday people. And that's a proposition that I've stood for for the entirety of my time in politics and have a really strong track record on. So I think I'm in a particularly strong position to appeal to the general electorate because of the substance that right. I stand for and because of a 20-year track record of actually abiding by it. I understand that. I, I fully understand. So you're saying that the 88% of people are unhappy who don't think the country is going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's because the government under the Democrats is not progressive enough. If they would put more people in like you, you, you a little further to the left, would they be happy? Would, would, you, would, you, would you say that the majority of Republicans who think corporations have too much power and that monopolies need to be broken up are progressive, right? Some of the ideas I'm putting forth, I am a progressive, yeah. but not all the ideas that I'm talking about are held by progressives alone. And I think they are seeing inaction on the major issues of the day, on you know, creating a basically functional right. economy, let alone a fair one, on ensuring universal access to high quality health care, on accelerating the transition to renewable energy economy that means we won't ever have to deal with gas price driven inflation again. These are popular ideas that people want. And they're ones that I stand for and have stood for for 20 years. All right. Now, the Boston Globe also did a poll. Uh, mm -hmm. Puts you at 8%, I believe, uh, well behind Seth Magaziner. Why, why would you keep it up? If, if well, you've got, you, you've I, got you, you would, would you call yourself a long shot at this point? Why, why uh, would you keep it up? No, I would, I would say that we, the, the thing that the polls have most consistently shown is that a plurality of people in this race are undecided. Uh, and we're at a point in the cycle where people are really just beginning to engage with the election, with you know, in the primary, you know, let alone the general. Um, and I think I'm in a very good position as people hear my message. Thank you for having me and giving You're me an opportunity welcome. to... You can come to, on, we'll have to, you on the radio too. Oh, I'd yeah. love that. Uh, but having the opportunity to speak to people uh, I, I think, and to reach them through other means, I think will only increase my standing in these polls. We've seen that already. I mean, I was at nothing a couple right. months ago, and I would also say I'm up over 8% now. That, 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 that poll's not... Uh, a, precise reflection of exactly what's happening in this field. You're, you're ambitious. You think you could take out the uh, magazine. And if you get past him, Fung is shown to beat all comers mm -hmm. by a healthy margin. Take the last word on that 30 seconds. Oh, I, I think the issue goes to what I was just saying. Most of us in this race have very low name recognition and relatively low recognition of what we stand for. And so that general election poll is a snapshot, but it's not reflective of what things are going to look like once people are paying you know, once more attention is focused on this race and people understand who each of us are and what we stand for. By the way, uh, what do you think of Tierra Mac's uh, twerking video? <laughs> I think that she is a very accomplished adult human who is able to make her own decisions. Uh, you don't want to wade into that. I, I just did. All right. That's <laughs>
David Siegel, thanks for coming in. Thanks Look for having to me. hearing more from you. Thank you.